0: You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski. Your host and with me today is Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie Mariano from Scottsdale, Arizona, is a board-certified internal medicine physician from Uniformed Services University in Bethesda, Maryland, the nation's only military medical school. If that were not enough, Dr. Mariano has also served as physician to the President of the United States of America and is a retired Rear Admiral in the U.S. Navy. Currently, she has a private concierge practice called the Center for Executive Medicine in Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome, Dr. Mariano. How are you today?
1: I'm fine, Andrew. Thank you.
0: Well, today we're going to be discussing a wilderness medicine topic that really transcends all specialties, and it has to deal with medical problems that occur during air travel. That's right, at 30,000 feet in the air, one of the passengers, maybe the pilot, maybe the stewardess, maybe yourself, becomes sick on an airplane, and with limited resources, a physician who happens to be traveling on the plane is now called to intercede and help. We are very excited to have Dr. Mariano here today because she happens to have very good experience in terms of staffing one of the most known individual planes in probably all the world. That's Air Force One. As the physician to the president, she was responsible for picking some of the people that both worked in the medical service unit, as well as presumably some of the resources that went on to Air Force One. And I can't wait to hear what she has to say about that experience. So, Dr. Mariano, first off, tell us how you became the physician to the President of the United States.
1: Well, it's a position that you really can't apply for. You're nominated, so in a lot of ways, you are either destined or doomed for that job. I didn't know about that job until I received a nomination for the position in 1991. I was in San Diego Naval Hospital at the Internal Medicine Division, and my chief of service nominated me. I was one of six nominees for the position of the Navy physician to the White House. And we were all board-certified internal medicine specialists, and they reviewed all our records. We had been, each of us, at least 10 years active-duty military. And what they do in Washington is they look at your records, and they invite you to the White House to be interviewed. My interview with the physician, the president at the time, was under Bush Sr., so it was Dr. Burton Lee, and dr lee interviewed me as well as the uh, other members of the white house medical unit at the time also interviewed me i passed the interview i passed the security clearance process and then i began my nine-year tour which was not what i had expected at the time but i began that in june of nineteen ninety two as the Navy physician to President Bush Sr.,
0: and that was your first assignment there.
1: It was, and I was there for uh, during the end of his presidency, and then when President Clinton was elected, I became his senior physician and physician the president, as well as director of the White House Medical Unit. And it was during the time of President Clinton that I actually traveled with him on all his foreign trips, except for one. I couldn't make it to the trip to Nova Scotia. I had neck surgery at the time. So I had a lot of air miles logged in on Air Force One with President Clinton. I also traveled as well with the First Lady, Hillary Rodham Clinton, on some of her trips. We did an incredible amount of travel on that airplane.
0: As the physician to the president, are you required to travel whenever the president makes a trip? Are you required to be there every time?
1: We rotate a lot of the trips. One nice thing about being the boss is that you can pick the trips you want to go on. For any major trip, such as a international summit, I always accompanied President Clinton as as a senior doctor. If it were a domestic trip, usually a short trip of you know one or two hour flight, I would assign it to one of the other physicians. Or if it were, you know, anything that would take longer, like a vacation, I would always go on those trips. So I would say the first three years of his presidency, I I covered 90% of his travel. And then I would share it with the other doctors. And for the international travel, I would always bring one or two of the other physicians as a backup because you really can't do nonstop medical coverage it's like doing non-stop call
0: well I've always wanted to ask someone this and up until three days ago i didn't think i 'd have the opportunity maybe to ever get an answer to this question but i've always wondered how the President of the United States before he or she travels prepares in terms of vaccinations if you're going at a moment's notice to a country that requires x y and z vaccines, how do you as the physician prepare for that trip, and given that there might be just a two- or three-day window before they make the trip in the first place?
1: Well, they're actually prepared way ahead of the time. When the president comes into office, the White House Medical Unit is there. Actually, it's been in existence since the time of President Hoover. There's always a physician on call, so the physicians in the House designated. And what we do once we get their medical records and review their history with them, we update all their shots. So if we know a president is going to, say, a major summit overseas, We have at least six months' notice to get everything prepared. We send out a medical representative from the White House Medical Unit to survey the hospitals and the sites where the president will be visiting. And part of that preparation is looking at all the immunizations. And what I used to do at the White House is I would, before every foreign trip, review the immunizations of the president, first lady, Chelsea, and and actually whoever was going on the trip, we make sure everybody was current, got everybody immunized. If we were going to Africa, we would look at anti-malarial medications. So really, they were up to date on all their immunizations.
0: That's pretty amazing. So it was really a good example of sort of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure there.
1: Absolutely. And then it was the beauty of having your own personal physician who knew your entire history, followed you everywhere. It was one of those rare jobs that you're perfectly healthy but 24 hours a day you have medical coverage following you around.
0: Well, you're listening to Clinicians Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Andrew Karkowski and I'm today I'm speaking with Dr. Connie Mariano. We're discussing emergencies at 30,000 feet, that's right, medical problems that occur in the air during travel. Right now we're hearing a little bit about how the president's vaccinations work. Dr. Mariano, if you could explain to me We heard a little bit about how the president as an individual travels. What sort of preparation goes into Air Force One, the plane itself? Well,
1: I can't speak for the rest of the plane. There is a medical compartment on the 747. It's in the forward part of the plane, and uh, it's a fabulous space. It's actually right adjacent to the president's office, so that the only one who can just go directly into the medical space is the president, and everybody else has to be brought forward of the plane to get there but it's stocked and maintained with medications, IV medications if we need them, intravenous meds. It's got an AED on board. It's got a chest tube. It's got essentially what you'll need in terms of medications and equipment to perform advanced cardiac life support or advanced trauma life support. In my nine years there, I've sutured one person, a Secret Service agent, who accidentally lacerated her finger on the plane, so we, we brought her back to the compartment, prepped her, draped her, and put in a few sutures into her finger. I had one patient who, actually one of the press reporters on Air Force One, one of the White House press crew, had chest pain. And this was as we were landing in Los Angeles. We could monitor them. We had telemetry on board. We could do an EKG. The only thing is, because of the sound of the plane, the background noise, you can't hear murmurs. You can't hear the heart very well because of just the ambient noise is quite loud.
0: And just to sort of paint the picture for our listeners, what size space are we talking about in terms of what you have to work with?
1: About a 20 by 20 space. It's a rather large space. It fits three executive size seats. One for me, my seat always faced forward, the nurse's seat faced aft, and then there was a middle seat for the backup physician. There were two large size fold-out racks that you would pull out from the wall and they were meant for letting patients lay there, and we if we needed hydration. Sort of the sad fact about that plane is that the middle seat could be removed, and you could put a casket in. and part of the design had come from the Kennedy assassination, where they had to cut open a bulkhead to fit in his casket. Well, on the current seven forty sevens the middle seat can be removed in the medical space, and a casket can be brought in, which is the unfortunate part of that but it can accommodate that. But it is a very large space.
0: It sounds like it. Is there any opportunities or resources for imaging in either ultrasound? I mean, I guess that's probably the only one I could think of that would be transportable, but maybe an x-ray machine? Is there?
1: No, not really for the capability. It's really meant, in a lot of ways, as an air ambulance. It can be outfitted to perform surgery. wouldn't be advised because of just the motion artifact and and just the way you can handle it. There is a minor OR table that can be folded out, and there's an OR light that swings forth that comes out of the wall, the bulkhead, but uh, no one's attempted that. It can be used on the ground, if it's on the ground, not flying, but on the ground. You can bring a surgical team to perform surgery if you had to. Fortunately, it's never been required.
0: Is there a protocol in terms of you as the physician a team leader? Do you have to plan for sort of any or all emergencies, or do you say that there are... 10 things that we know we can handle very well, and and these are the most common things that we would expect to have happened to anyone, let alone the president of the United States, and then you sort of build around that concept, or do you just really try to stock this thing as full of uh, resources as possible?
1: You build on every possibility you can in this setting, realizing that your patient is a very unique patient. Not only does he travel everywhere, but he's also a target. And so with that unfortunate background, you you have to be prepared for every worst-case scenario.
0: And in all your time, really, the only only time that you had to do anything in in terms of intervention is a suturing?
1: During the Clinton administration, we had, let's see, Vice President Gore had his Achilles tendon repair. President Clinton had his quadriceps tendon repair. So fortunately, during that time, but a lot of it was preparation for the worst-case scenario when we traveled overseas in countries that potentially may have been harmful, and then the rest of the time really is common things that the everyday tourist would experience. Traveler's diarrhea, bronchitis, pink eye, jet lag. Being a general internist or even a family practitioner is well-suited at the White House because the common things that we would see in terms of travel, we would see it among our, our patients in everyday practice who travel.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that's, that's dead on. In terms of clean water, fresh water supplies, is there a, is there a water purification system on board in case you're stranded somewhere you know in, in a in an airport where you might not be able to get access to fresh water over an extended period of time or anything like that.
1: They have all contingency plans for bottled water. So they they do have their own and they have their own water supply as well.
0: And how do you select the people that work around you? I, I'm surprised to hear today that there's actually as part of the medical team, it sounds permanently, is is a nurse as well as as a traveling physician.
1: At the time I was the director, we had two navy physicians including myself, two army physicians And two Air Force physicians. Then we had six physician assistants, six nurses who were critical care certified nurses, and several of them were nurse practitioners. We had about three medics, Air Force and Army, and uh, about four administrators. So it was a good size unit because not only did we take care of the president, traveled with him, we also assigned people to travel and take care of the vice president, as well as the first and second families. And Senator Clinton at the time, she was first lady, was one of the most traveled first ladies in history. So we would always assign a physician and a nurse to accompany her on her overseas trips.
0: What's the most interesting thing uh, or place that you were able to visit as a result of your position there?
1: There have been so many places. I I think in my military career and the White House combined, I've been to about 100 countries. Although as a White House physician, you you never go through the front of the hotel. You always go through the back. It's all through the kitchen. So the most least glamorous things that you see. It's not actually a very glamorous job. You're lugging a medical bag, you're you're standing in a hallway, you're following around somebody who's sort of like a a rock star. So you have very long hours. And when you get to the hotel at night, there's always somebody sick, and you're, you're sort of doing sick call out of your hotel room taking care of the people sick who are in the uh, traveling party.
0: Well, I want to thank Dr. Connie Mariano, who's been our guest on Boondocks Medicine here, Clinician's Roundtable. We've been discussing emergencies at 30,000 feet and her experiences as the physician to the President of the United States. I'm Dr. Andrew Krakowski. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Thank you for listening.